you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Uh, so I, when you guys were singing, we were singing that Faithful You Are song, and uh, I was singing it, you know, it was like, Faithful. I don't sing well, by the way, just so you know. Faithful You Are, and I was kind of getting into it, and I was like, closed my eyes, and then, and then the music kept going, but the song stopped, and nobody sang. The worship team didn't sing, so I was just like, Faithful You Are. So luckily, I was only standing next to my wife, who already knows I don't sing well. So, um, but yeah, that's why you don't close your eyes. That's why I don't close my eyes. Worship. I need to know if there's words coming up because I don't want to be the only. Anybody else done that? Anybody else? All right, good. I just was like, luckily, I was over in the front. So, uh, man, I'm so excited to uh, be with you guys this morning. Uh, I was thinking, I was telling um, Adam the other day, like, I still get a little nervous t- talking to adults because I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth because I'm used to talking to teenagers, and my wife's always like, you can't tell jokes like that to adults. And I was like, oh, okay. So, uh, and then also when you're talking to middle schoolers, it's gotta, you've got to have a lot of energy, right? It's got to be like a laser light show. you just got to just, you know, and, uh, and so I try to calm down a little bit. But I was telling Adam uh, the other day, uh, if you guys ever heard of Advocare, um, I was uh, drinking, I, I don't drink energy drinks. I don't really drink coffee. I drink some now, but when I was younger, I didn't. I got enough wired as it is. And, uh, and so somebody had these, I, went, I was uh, on staff with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and we had a state meeting, and there was about 62 staff people there from around the state of Florida, and I had to do the chapel that night. And, uh, and so they had Advocare, and they, they have these spark drinks, and it's just basically you put uh, you put, like, the powder in the, in the water and mix it up and all that. And I was like, oh, cool. Like, and I drank one. I was like, that's really good. So I drank another, and I drank another. And, man, by the time it was my turn to speak, I had, like, I had like three places in my body pulsating. I could see into the future, man. I mean, it was crazy. And I got, I was like, whatever, whatever, like that. And you can just see people like, holy cow. So if I get a little bit fast today, you can just be like, just raise your hand real quick. I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll feel like you're agreeing with me, but I'll know you're like, bro, slow down, bro, slow down. So, uh, but we have been in a, in a series just looking at uh, uh, First Timothy, and um, and I was uh, before we get started, let's just pray, and then we'll get into God's word. Father, we thank you so much for this morning. Uh, we thank you that as we talk about being a praying church, we thank you that Jesus spoke into that. And God, I pray that we would just open our hearts and our eyes and our ears, God, to hear from Jesus this morning. Not me, but the words of Jesus and and what that means. And God, I pray that you would just be with us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for um, reaching down, even in our sin, to pull us up and tell us that you love us. And Lord, we just thank you for the opportunity to gather this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, let me read uh, 1 Timothy 2. It says this. It says, "I, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. All right, so he starts off that. This is kind of like a sandwich, right? So we're just going to read through some other scripture, which I'm not going to talk about because they're going to talk about some of those things next week as Travis is here. Um, and we're going to be talking about praying for civil government and all that. I was like, I'm out. I don't want anything to do with that. Um, praying already. They were like, you're going to talk about prayer. And I was like, yeah, I'm not sure I should be doing that. Uh, I told my wife, I was like, I'm speaking about prayer. She's like, you? And I was like, yeah, I know, I know. All right, so, but, uh, but it says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and, who, um, and all who are in authority that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. Verse 3 says, This is good and it pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and understand the truth. May God wants all of us to be saved and understand the truth. And he says, For there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity to the, uh, the man Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message God gave the world and just at just the right time. 
And Pastor Dave, every week we talk about the good news and the bad news of the gospel. And, then, and Paul's hitting on this. The good news, the bad news of the gospel is that we're all sinners. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all committed a crime against God. And so that's, that's the bad news. That, we're in trouble with that. But the good news is, is there's one mediator, the person of Jesus Christ, who came and he served his purpose and he gave his life. And he, served his, he gave his life as a ransom for ours. And the good news and the bad news of the gospel, and then it's just our job to receive that. And so Paul also says this. He goes on, and he says in verse 7, he says, And I have been chosen as a preacher and apostle to teach the uh, Gentiles this message about faith and truth. I'm not exaggerating, just telling the truth. In every place of worship, and this is what we're going to be talking about today pretty much, verse 8. In every place of worship, I want men to pray with holy hands, lifted up to God, free from anger and controversy. Paul calling us to be a praying church, that he wants every place of worship to be a place where, where men and women are holding up their hands and they're, and they're lifting up their God and they're, and they're, and they're praising their God. And so, but I, I think thinking about what is, a praying church, what does that mean? What, what, what do we pray, right? What do we, how should we pray? What do we pray for? I mean, I know that a lot of us, we get cut in our prayer. When we think about prayer, we just kind of go to prayer. Like, God, man, thank you so much for what you've done. And God, here's, my, here's what's going on in my life. And, and uh, yeah, so if you could help that God, man, we, yeah, that'd be great. And then... Um, I'll, I'll see you soon, all right? I'll, I'll come back to you tonight. And I, I can't imagine that's what Paul's talking about. I don't think Paul's talking to us and asking us to be a praying church that way. And like I said, honestly, of all the things I probably am very unequipped to talk about is prayer because I probably find myself in that situation a whole lot of times as well. But what I think I can do is I can look to Jesus and his words. And we sang in that fourth song tonight, we, well, t- today, we sang... Um, uh, the Lord's Prayer song, I don't know what that's called, but it had the Lord's Prayer in it. And that's what we're going to look at today, is, is the Lord's Prayer. And so, um, Jesus' disciples, there's, he, he, he's with his disciples, there's 12, you know, whatever, the 12 of them. And Jesus is praying, and, and I don't know what's different about this moment. Maybe they've seen this before, maybe they've kind of been wanting to ask this for a, for a long time. But one day when Jesus is praying, his di- disciples come up and say, and they, they ask this, they say, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. And I think, um, you know, they probably wanted to ask that for a long time. I would guess it because this isn't like the first time they've seen him pray. Maybe, I don't know why Jesus waited, to, waited to, to, for them to ask. But as they were watching Jesus pray, they were probably thinking like, huh, if that's prayer, if Jesus comes along, if that's the way you pray, then, man, maybe, maybe we've been doing it wrong. I, I don't pray like that. And maybe it was that Jesus had a more personal interaction with God because a lot of times they grew up praying just the old psalms, um, old hymns from the Old Testament. And it was very impersonal. It was a lot, very scripted. Very, it was very impersonal and scripted. So if you see Jesus and you're like, huh, if that's prayer, what am I doing? Because I don't, I'm not doing it like that. It was, it, was, it was unscripted. It was personal. It was passionate. It was, it was interactive with God. And so they come and they say, Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. There was just something different going on between Jesus and God than what they had experienced. And so Jesus, I, the incredible thing that he does is he, they say, Lord, teach us to pray. But Jesus says, okay, I'll teach you to pray. But the first thing he says is, I'm going to tell you some things not to do. Now, we find the Lord's, um, the, the Lord's prayer in, in two different, we find it in Luke and Matthew. So in Luke, he is actually having a conversation with his 12 disciples. This is where Luke, where he had come up. And it was probably Peter, right? Peter probably came up and said, Lord, teach us to play. And he's at pray. He's having this interaction with, with just his 12 disciples. We find that in Luke. But also in, in uh, Matthew, we find in the uh, Sermon on the Mount, he basically says the same thing. He expands on a little bit. Now he's speaking to more of his disciples, and he's just teaching in the Sermon on the Mount how 
to pray. And so we'll look at both of those stories as if they're one. It's basically the same thing. It's not, none, of it's, uh, none of it's contradictive at all. Um, he says a couple different things in the Sermon on the Mount. But I love how when he st- starts to pray, Jesus says this. He says, he doesn't tell them what to do first. He tells them, gives you a couple of not what to do. He says, first of all, uh, and when you pray, do not be like hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in synagogues on the street corners and be seen by others. So I, I was thinking about this, like, I coach, I use baseball a lot, could I just know that? So when somebody says, can you teach me to throw the ball right? Usually the first thing I say is yes, but I'm going to tell you what you're doing wrong first, because it's just, until we fix that, we can't, we can't get it right, right? And Jesus starts with that. He says, they say, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus says, stop being hypocrites and stop, um, and uh, What's this? See, it says, uh, and when you pray, don't be like hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners and be seen by others. And then he goes on, he says this, truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. And so their reward, they've received their reward in full. What is their reward? Their reward is that they have been seen, right? Jesus is speaking out against pretenders, against pretension about somebody that thinks that they're something, standing on the street corner, praying, and look at all this very elegant prayer that I have and all that stuff. And he's like, that's pretending. That's, that's pretension, right? And, and you've already received your reward. What's your reward? Your reward is that, yeah, everybody saw you. And so that's your reward. And see, then he goes on, he says, but when you pray, when you pray, So that's a good question to ask us, but when do you pray? When do you pray? Where do you pray? How do you pray? What do you you pray for? But when you pray, go into your room and close the door. So if I were to say today, like, hey, look, if you're if you're if you've kind of got a prayer life where you're you've got, and I've done this a ton. I just know, I mean, it's like this is I'm all this is all me. Where, oh, I pray, man, when I'm driving, I mean, I'm just giving my best to God. I make the trip from work to home, um, uh, and the trip from home to work, man, I just pray, right? I pray. I get on the phone, and I'm, I pray with my friend, or I, I pray when I'm walking the dog. Now, the Bible tells us to pray without ceasing and pray at all times, but Jesus doesn't contradict that, but he has a starting point that it's like, look, if you don't start here, then that doesn't matter. There's a starting point. Yes, we should pray at all times. Pray on the way to, your, on the way to work and on the way back. That's all fine, but there's a starting point. But if our prayer time is just if I were to say, hey, if you're mostly just praying back and forth to work or while you're walking your dog, you might be doing it wrong. Now, we would probably be offended if somebody came along and said, yeah, the way that you said that prayer at dinner, yeah, that was, uh, that wasn't really, you're doing it wrong, right? If somebody told you you're praying wrong, you'd be like, who are you to tell me how to pray, right? And, uh, and so, so as we talk through this, none of it's me, but we are going to get a lesson on prayer from Jesus, okay? And it says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door. And this is interesting because in the, in the uh, first century followers, most of Jesus' disciples didn't have doors. I mean, they, they lived in small houses. If there was a door, it was like a, a curtain made of leather or something. But, and so, but he's speaking to something very important. Close the door. Be, isolate yourself. Take, take, take yourself away from everything else. Don't just pray when you're, um, when you're doing other things. Have a moment where it's just you and God. And he's going to talk about that in a second why. And he says, close the door. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen. Pray to your Father. Jesus is telling us to pray to our Heavenly Father. Not him. Not his mama. Not the saints or the Jaguars or the Cowboys. All right, sorry, I couldn't help that, right? But pray to him. 
Man, Jesus is saying, don't, don't, don't bring your prayers to me. Pray to your heavenly Father. He, and, and he's talking about something more personal, which we're going to get back to in just a second as well. And he says, when you pray, and then he gives up, so it, uh, your heavenly Father who is unseen. Then he says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees you, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Well, here's that reward again. Right? What did he say about the? What was the reward of the people who were praying in public? The reward was, well, everybody saw you. That was that's your reward. Somebody saw you praying. But when you're praying in secret, when you're when he says go and go into your room, go in your closet, go somewhere, go somewhere isolated where it's just you and God and nobody else knows. When you're praying in secret, what's your reward? God sees you, which means God hears you. God recognizes you. And and so Jesus is making a very distinct about when and where we pray that if, that if we go back to that if we're just praying on uh you know on our way to work it's not the same as, as taking a moment and saying there's nothing else nothing else there's no other distractions because i'm in secret and what god says is he rewards that and then he goes on he says uh he gives them another not to in verse seven he says and when you pray do not keep on babbling. Now, he was talking about, let me just back up real quick. He was, when he was giving the, praying out in public, he was talking about the religious leaders of, of that time, right? He was like, look, these religious leaders, they'll be out there praying in public. They're, it's very pretentious. It's very, look at me. Look at these words I have, right? But then he shifts and he starts to look at the Romans and their, their pagan gods. And he says something like this. He says, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. And he's like, look, don't just keep going on and on and on. God is not, God is not informed by these many words. Or, you know, God is not, um, is not moved. God is not impressed with how much you can say. So don't keep going on and on by, by these many words. Do not be like them for. So for is interesting because what he's about to say would actually kind of pull the rug out from underneath why a lot of us pray. So, uh, first he says, hey, don't just, don't just, don't be prideful about it. Don't make it a public spectacle. Just be you and God. Secondly, don't think that all these words or what you say or how you say it or these bigger, whatever, the Christianese words, whatever, don't think that moves God. For, for, this is what he says, your father knows what you need before you even ask him. Your father, kn- so why don't we need to, so that disciples would be like, well, what? So why don't, we, why don't we need to say these prayers a lot, these big prayers? Because your father already knows, already knows what you need before you even ask him. And honestly, he knows what you need that you're not even asking for because you're probably asking for something that wasn't his point and purpose in the first place. And then so he actually knows what you need. So it kind of, so when we think about how do we pray, we usually go to a place of informing God. And so what happens is we address God as a God. I don't know if this is what's going on. We we, we reduce our prayers a lot of times to informing God. And think about this. If God needs to be informed, is that even God? If he's omniscient, he should already know it. So if I have to inform God, is that God? And so, but what we do a lot of times is we reduce our prayers to simply informing God about what our issue is and what we're hoping to get out of it or what we're ho- how we're hoping that he'll solve it. And he says, for... Your father knows what you need before you even ask him. So that leads to this question. This will be my question. Maybe it's a disciple's question. Maybe it's a question you're thinking of right now. Then why, why inform God? If God already needs, already knows, God already knows, so why even tell him? Why, why go to God with it? Why pray? 
right? And so that, I would think the disciples in this moment are like, wait, what? I, I, would, I think that Jesus, by telling them what not to do, has them exactly where he wants them to be. Because they went to him saying, hey, Jesus, teach us to pray. And now he's backed them up to be like, whoa, 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 why, why, do, we even, why do we even pray? Forget how we pray. Why do I, why am I supposed to, because, because God, I, I was just coming to you with my, informing you, right? I was giving you, hey, these Romans are mean, right? And I was just informing you of my situation, and now you're telling me that I don't even need to do that. And so they're asked, now come to this question of why pray? And so Jesus luckily goes on and says this. He says, this then, all right, now I got you where I want you. Now we're going to talk about how to pray. We talked about a little bit why, about why you should, but we're going to talk a little bit more about it. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. Our Father. Jesus is, is inviting us to a relationship with, to, with, a, with a Father in heaven. Yes, he's God, and we're going to talk about that, but he's inviting us to a personal relationship. And so what they're experiencing in the prayer of Jesus and watching Jesus is they're experiencing a relational connection in prayer. We're over here for all these times. They were taught to pray with, by their mothers and fathers and their religious leaders, and it was very scripted, and it was very, here's the words, and here's what I'm supposed to say. And then over here, man, Jesus is talking to his dad. And Jesus is telling us that the most, the most the, for our little feeble minds, the best way we can understand our relationship with God in heaven is as a loving, perfect father. And for some of us, that may be difficult because we may not know what a loving, perfect father looks like. I didn't have that in my life. Not me. I'm not saying I did or you, but we, you know, I, I didn't, but, <laughs> but, uh, but I have a good father that loves me. But it's not, nobody's perfect. But, but we don't know really what a fatherly relationship maybe feels like. So some of us may, that may be a difficult, others may, may make perfect sense. Oh, man, if, if, if I can think of God as the father that I've had in my life that loves me and shows me that kind of love, then it's a perfect translation. And so, but regardless of where you are, where you are on that, what, what Jesus is saying is the best way that we can look at um, at, at father in heaven as, as, as a father. And then he says, this then is how you pr- should pray. Our father, hallowed be your name. Now, we talk a lot about uh, Jesus being fully man and fully, I mean, fully God. Jesus was fully God, 100% God, but he was also fully human, 100% human. And so when we talk through that and we also think about God, God is 100% fully a loving, perfect father that loves you that wants the things the father wants for you that wants to protect you that wants all those things and that when we can see him as father he's 100 percent loving perfect father but he's also 100 percent creator of all things god only the only god he's also that and so what jesus is saying is look Address him first as father. Know that he is inviting you into a relationship of a fatherly son or daughter relationship where you are loved and you are cared for and you are protected, but also understand that you, you are talking to. This is the moment. This is the moment where we can step back and reset our, 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 our perspective on who we're talking to. Yeah, I can talk to my father, but I know that I've, I've, I have my mother's here today. I have a mother and father. I think we can all say we haven't always respected our, our mom and father like we should. But, man, don't forget, hey, it's a father, but don't forget who you're talking to. You are talking to the one and only true God, creator of all things and the creator of your life. And so there is a, there is a double-sided coin. He is fully father, but he is fully um, fully God. And so he's like, so this, so this is where I think that when he says get alone. 
close the door. Give him your full uh, uh, attention because that's what a God deserves. That's what a king deserves, right? Sometimes we might just be like, hey, dad, what's up? All right, man, what's going on, right? But then, but when we switch over to, man, this is, this is God. This is the creator of all things. God, that, that's off, hallowed be your name is kind of hard to do in traffic, right? And so this is what hallowed be, it says, to pray hallowed be your name means to ask God to let his name be worshipped, exalted, honored, and adored in, on earth as in heaven. Man, so when we're, att- when we're going to God, God, we want you to be worshipped, honored, adored. Every- and so are we taking that posture in that moment? Because a lot of times we come, to, come, we come to God and we're like, hey, God, hey, Dad, hey, what's up, man? Hey, look, I don't know if you know what's going on with my, uh, my family over here. I could really use my finances. I could really use some help with that. Hey, that'd be great. Thanks. I know you love me. But, man, we don't treat, it, we don't treat a king like that. We don't treat a God like that. We're all asking for him to be, to be worshipped, exalted, honored uh, on this earth as in heaven. And so that posture has to start with us. We can't come to God in prayer asking him to be worshipped, honored, adored, and we're treating him like my homeboy, right? You guys ever seen that, Jesus my homeboy? Well, Jesus can be your homeboy, but God is God, right? So, and, uh, and, so, and it says... Um, and then it is to ask God to so move and act, move and act in the world that people will worship and treasure Him above all else. And so, when we pause to reflect on who God is, we gain a better understanding of who we are and why we're here. When we pause in that moment, right? God, look, hey, G- Father, Father, just the, that's the that's the way that. That Jesus wants us to know him as Father. Man, that we just that we can pour our hearts out, that we can open up, that we can go to a place where we can pour our heart out the way we, we can pour out all of our sorrows and our struggles. And why has it got to be this way? We can talk to a daddy, but we have to trust in a God. And so when we pause to reflect on who God is, we gain a better understanding of who we are and why we're here and the purpose of prayer. And he goes on, he says this, he says, if this then is how you should pray, your Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Great, I got it. Thanks, Jesus. Thanks for telling me that. Okay, so Father, all right, Father, I got that piece. All right, look, man, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come with more honor, more reverence. I'm, I got the Father. Okay, can I ask for stuff now? Is it now? Can I do it now, Jesus? How about now? How about now? All right. And he says, oh, yeah, uh, here's what's next. Um, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Your will be done. Ugh. Your kingdom, what about my kingdom? Your will, I mean, I'm trying to get something here. What about my will, God, right? And so your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this is the, this is the place, right? This is the place. This is the purpose. This is what he said. This is the purpose of prayer, that we approach God as, as a father who loves us, and that we, but we approach God as, a, as the creator of all things. And then once we have this part down, once we've now given God every bit of respect and honor and, and glory that he deserves, what else is there to do but say, your will, your kingdom? Well, what about mine? Jesus would say, we just covered that before you even ask, your God knows exactly what you need. Oh, yeah, I forgot. I forgot that part already, right? And so he says, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
And this is the place where I would say, like, okay, we can't really, if we haven't gotten there, right? So this is, this is a spot we see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is the spot where he's, like, struggling with what, what's about to happen to him. He's, I mean, we can, none of us could even fathom knowing he knew every single moment of pain, everything that was going to be happening. And he's now got to emotionally and emo- physically and spiritually prepare for that. And he says, God, if there's any other way, any other way to do this, but if there's not, your will, your kingdom. And so much of how long we pray really has more to do with the, the spiritual conditioning of our heart. Because Jesus only prayed for about 20 seconds when he brought Lazarus out of the grave. But it took him all night to prepare to give up, to give up his own life. And so he already knew that both of those were God's will. Both of those were God's will. But it was, he was, he, his spiritual conditioning was already like, hey, brought Lazarus, let's go. It's time. But for him, it took him, it took him all night. I mean, we think of Jesus. I mean, that, it took him all night. It wasn't just necessarily like Jesus, like, yeah, man, let's do this, whatever, trust me. It took him all night to pray through this, to pray through this, to pray through this, to, to, to bring him to a place of God, your will, even if though I don't want it, even if I don't know what it means or what it looks like. But in this case, I do, and I don't want anything to do with it, but your will. And this is the place that it's like, look, until we, until we can get here in prayer, there's nothing else to say. This is the purpose of prayer. This is the point of prayer. We thought prayer was to, was to, to bring our, to inform God. No, no, prayer is about submitting our will. This is, the purpose of prayer is to surrender our will, not impose it. The purpose of prayer is to align our will with God's will. The, per, the prayer is not about moving God, but it's about being moved by God. So when we talk about being a praying church, what are we praying for? Are we praying that God would, uh, would bless our, our businesses and, and be with our family and do this? Or are we, as a praying church, are we coming to God and saying, God, your will, how can I help and how am I getting in the way? Because that's what I should be praying for. And until we get to that point, there's no, Jesus would say there's, there's no point in continuing. But, but I still have stuff to ask for. Yeah, he already knows that. But until you get to this point, what you're asking for doesn't even really matter because the point, the purpose of prayer, God, your kingdom. And so, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done as earth as it is in heaven. And then he goes on, and then he finally gives them the, the uh, and he says, give us today. And so, right, you disciples are like, finally, give. I like the fact that Alice says, let, let, me, let me pray, give. And Jesus is like, no, hold on. I've got three things I want you to pray. I'm not taking prayer requests. I've got three things I want you to pray for. And you can, you can kind of you can put them in this, provision, pardon, and protection. But surrender, but, but surrender is, is, is the point of all these as well. I mean, the, the assumption of these prayers that, we're about to, that I'm about to ask you that you can say give, the assumption is that you've submitted your will to his. That, that surrender has already happened. And he says, give us today our daily bread. And so in, in, a, in a culture of excess as you and I live in, we all have more than our share of daily bread. Not one of us doesn't really have, you know, we don't wake up in the morning and be like, oh man, you know, where's the food going to come from, right? We've probably got enough food. But when he's talking to this first century followers, what they're thinking of is, is a couple hundred years before that, their ancestors crawling out of a tent, just gathering just enough bread 
for the day. And what he was teaching the nation of Israel at the time was, was to be dependent completely, 100% dependent on him. Like, you have nothing unless I give it to you, and I'm going to give you only what you need today. And so he's thinking about that, uh, you know, his ancestors crawling out of that tent, but he's also, but what Jesus is teaching the, the nation of Israel that time, he's like, look, you're, you're, I'm teaching you to be dependent on me, but a time is coming when you're going to have more than you need. You're going to have excess. You're going to have so much bread that other nations are going to come to you to buy bread. But in, even then, I'm going to warn you, even then, you are just know you are completely dependent. You were dependent on me then. You're completely just as much dependent on me now. Give me only what I need. Give me, this, give me today my daily bread. And so I th- there's, a, there's a, um, a verse in Proverbs. And think of this as a prayer, right? Think of this as the, of this is how you and I would, 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 uh, would make that kind of real in our life. Because it says this in Proverbs. Keep falsehood and lies from me. Give me neither poverty. I like that part. God, don't give me poverty. All right? Nor riches. Ah. Really? Give me poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of, the, uh, of God. And so this writer of Proverbs is basically saying, basically saying the same thing that we should all admit to ourselves, that, that I'm not beyond it. God, if you give me too little, I'll probably just take something that's not mine. Because I probably don't have enough character to, 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 to live and deal with that. So God, give me just enough. God, give me just enough. Give me my daily bread so that I am not forced or not forced so that I, so that I don't fall into t- to, to stealing. But God, I also know if you give me too much, I, I could easily. How many? And I know we all know people like this that are like, they have, they're so blessed. They're so, um, there's so much that they're like, look, I don't need God. I have everything I need right here. I completely trust in my things and my abilities and my, and, and my business and my finances. And so it's easy to fall into that as well. And so that, the writer of Proverbs is saying, God, just give me just enough, but don't give me too much. Because I want to live in a happy medium being dependent on you. And so Jesus continues. So the first thing, that was the provision part. Give us today our daily bread. God, so so. Give us, but what are we asking for? God, we're just asking to be dependent on you. We're, we are, we are um, surrendering our desires in this life to you, to you. I don't need anything more than you want to give me. Give me only what you need me to be, for me to do, and then give me just enough that I can go give it away to somebody else. I'm completely dependent on you. I'm surrendering my entire life to you. So what am I asking for? We think we're asking for something, but Jesus is like, look, you're only asking for just enough. And so that's the, that's the provision part, the pardon part. Forgive us of our sins. Luke eleven four. 4. Forgive us of our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And we're not going to spend a lot of time on this because I'll, I'll, I'll read what Jesus says in a minute. But it, G, Jesus pointed out, it's like, look, if you're expecting forgiveness and you're being given forgiveness, what should you return? You should return forgiveness. And so... A lot of times we, this is another battle that we have in our prayer time is like, I'm not, God, I need your forgiveness. I know what I've done. I need you to forgive me, but I'm still holding on to, to bitterness or, or a grudge or anger for something that somebody else did to me, right? And so Jesus is saying, you know, hey, look, if you want to be forgiven, you got to forgive, right? And if somebody, I mean, what would somebody who would do so, who would ask for something from somebody else, but wouldn't give that 
to, some, to another person, what do we call that? A hypocrite. And Jesus is very clear. Don't be a hypocrite. And so then he says this. Oh, let me just say this. The invitation to forgiveness is an invitation to follow. Think about that. The invitation to forgive is an invitation to follow. We, we live in a culture, and every culture before that too, where there's actually a lot of people that love the idea of, of, uh, of Jesus, of, of uh, being a Jesus follower. But, but following Jesus is, is difficult. It requires us to surrender our own ways. And so being, so an invitation to forgive is an invitation to follow. The re, to refuse to forgive is to refuse to follow. So as we, in our own relationships, to refuse to forgive others, um, I can't remember who said it, but some guy said that, that God announced forgiveness ahead of time. Like, it, you were born into it, right? All you had to do was receive it. It's already been done. Every sin you ever have, ever will have, God has already announced forgiveness. Oh, you've sinned again? That's all right. You're already forgiven, right? And so that's what God is offering to us, and that's what he is saying that, he, that we should be offering to others. And Jesus, so this is how Jesus finished his, his lesson on prayer, right? It's not like this, and this was funny, it was in this song. It's not like we hear at weddings, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory of forever and ever. Amen, right? Jesus wasn't writing a song. He was writing, he was writing, he was basically speaking about prayer. That part of this, that part of that is added by a scribe. It's not even the Bible. It was added by a scribe later. And so, because it sounded like a good way to end a song. And then also they would hold amen for like 10 minutes. Amen, right? But that part's not in there. But this is how Jesus ends his teaching on prayer. And he says, hey, submission, you know, giving up your will. But he says this, this is the end of it. And this will create some tension for you. And since Jesus doesn't explain himself, like, oh, but this is kind of what I mean by it, I'm not going to do it either. And since Jesus is creating a tension for all of us, but Jesus is just saying what's, what, 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 what's real. And what's true? And he says this, for if you forgive other people when you sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you don't forgive others and their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Oh, that doesn't sound like the God that, that I've been uh, hearing about, right? Like, man, God said, he's a father. He loves us. He's got, no, he, th- this is a, this is a, uh, a commandment with a, a conditional commandment. Like, I, again, I'm not going to try to explain it away. Jesus didn't. He just dropped the mic on that moment. It was like, yeah, that's it, right? And so they're like, oh, gosh, uh, that's yikes, right? If you do not forgive the sins of others, your Father will not forgive you. And so here's what I, here's what, here's what I think. I, I, I think about this sometime with me, but I'm not, you know, great at it, right? But it says that when I focus on the work God has yet to complete in me, I'm far less concerned with the work that he has to complete in you. When I, when I think for me, because it's real easy to get caught up, Jesus said, hey, remove the plank from your own eye, right? But I think that this is what this means for me, is that when I focus on the work that God has to complete in me, when I'm focused on that, God, I know that I have so much to work on. I know that I need to do this. I need whatever I can, uh, I, you know, God, just when I focus on those things, I'm far less concerned with the work that he needs to complete in you. That could help all of our marriages, by the way. And uh, so, it helped mine. I just got very convicted right now. And uh, so, um, yeah, hey, all right, let's pray real quick. I'm just kidding. So, everybody pray for me. All right, so, 
So this would be a good time to ask this question. This would be a good time to ask. So does prayer work? Right? Does prayer work? Because I, I would think that a lot of us have prayed. Um, and I, I, know, I know people, right, that we've all done this. But I, would, I know people that have stopped following God because they're like, I prayed and I asked and nothing happened and it didn't work. And so it led me to the place of does God even care? Is God even there? Is God even real? And so now I don't even follow God. Well, that says more about your perspective on who God is than, than him. That doesn't, say, that, doesn't mean anything. that doesn't say anything about him. You think God's some kind of app that you can just get something from. That he's some kind of cosmic genie, right? And so Jesus is telling us a starting point for prayer. That everything else, yeah, pray, pray without ceasing. Pray in your car. Pray in home. Pray with your friends. Where two or more are gathered, God is there, right? Pray. Do all those other things. All the other things that the New Testament tells us about prayer. But Jesus is the starting point. And he says, look, before you do any of that, you need to know, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. And if we haven't gotten past that, we have to just stay there until we can. Because anything that we ask for before we get there, that just makes us a user. Makes us a consumer. We have to stay right there. Just like Jesus did in the garden. Stay there all night. God, please, if there's any other way, but not, Lord, but I'm going to get up from this place, your will be done. I will walk right into hell with gasoline drawers on if that's what you need me to do, but your will be done if that's what you want. I don't even know if that's actually a spiritual saying. Just cut that, right? So I said it the other night about something, and all the kids thought it was funny, so I was like, and it just popped in my brain again, all right? That's probably not in the Bible anywhere, so that's more like a coach talking, so I don't know. That was not very, I don't even know. I, it's been nice knowing you all. Okay. So Jesus could walk into hell and walk right back out. All right. So, so does prayer work? Well, that type of prayer works. So this, this would be the answer to that. That type of prayer works on us. It works to free us. It works in us. It works on us. It works to free us because it takes us. It positions us. It leaves us right where God wants us to be. Surrendered. Dependent forgiving is that when we get up from our prayers that's where we should be it's just dependent our prayer should lead me to my prayer should lead me to a place of dependence on god knowing that i'm not getting up from this spot without being without without surrendering all of the the trust in my own abilities and my own um uh, intelligence which i don't do much and uh and so i'm not but i'm not giving trust to anything in me, my, I'm completely dependent on you, God. When I get up and walk away from this, every, every, good, and every good thing comes from you. Dependent. Dependent. Dependent on you. I'm surrendered. And God, I'm forgiven. Because when I get up from this place, asking forgiveness from you, I'm surrendering my ability, my, 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 uh, my thought that I can hold a grudge or anger against someone else. I'm forgiving them. You announce the forgiveness ahead of time, I'm going to do the same. And so the action step really for us today is just live a praying life, right? I mean, we talked about it beginning with it, that Paul is calling us to be a praying church. So what does that mean, right? Well, what it means is surrender, dependence, forgiveness, that that is our response. So that the forgiveness is the pardon, and I didn't, we're not really going to go into the, um, the, <laughs> the, uh, 
the protection, deliver us from evil, or, so, you know, uh, is, if, if we talk about temptation, that's a whole other subject. So, but, uh, but action step is pray like Jesus. And so here's my encouragement to you guys as we finish. And uh, worship team, you guys can come on up. If we've got a worship team coming up. Coming up? No? Maybe? Um, TikTok. There's a, there's a TikTok video that my daughter always shows me. And it has this guy that's acting like a youth pastor. And he'll say some kind of random thing. And he'll just be like, worship team, you guys can come on up. You know? and, uh, but it'll be like, uh, it, I don't even remember. But it's just all stupid. But we laugh at it. So... Uh, but here's my here's my here's my uh, my challenge to you: find a place, choose a time, declare His greatness, surrender your will, and just pray your way to surrender. Because when Paul asked us to be a praying church, that's what he is asking us to do. Because that's the starting point that Jesus lays out. That if we can't do those, find a place, choose a time, get alone with God, honor God the way that God wants us to honor Him. Declare his greatness, surrender his will, and pray your way to surrender. Let's pray. God, thank you, Lord, for, the, for loving us. Thank you, Jesus, for, for uh, showing us how to pray. God, only, only Jesus could be that model. We're so unworthy, and we're so imperfect in doing it, but, but Lord, help us to pray like Jesus. Help us to be praising, a, a praying church as Paul calls us to be. And Lord, help us to come to a place Every time we enter your presence, we leave surrendered, dependent, and forgiven. In Jesus' name, amen.